Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, and I'll read verses 8 through 11 for us now as we prepare to hear from Rich Sylvester as he introduces our Advent series where we are looking at the worship of Jesus' church and checking out Zechariah in this first week. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Well, this Thanksgiving, my wife and I spent some time uh, discussing how different it felt this year than it did last year for us. And that really had nothing to do with COVID-19 or the pandemic. But last year, during Thanksgiving, my wife was recovering from major surgery. Before the pandemic started, one of Susie, my wife's cousins, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Many of the people in her family have been diagnosed with breast cancer. And so Susie underwent some genetic testing, and she discovered that she had what is known as the BRAC2 gene, or the breast cancer gene. And with this gene and her family history, she was told that she would have an 80% chance of developing breast cancer in her lifetime. And so my wife chose to have surgery. And so in November of last year, we made our way to VCU in Richmond, and at 7 in the morning, Susie began what was supposed to be a 6 or an 8-hour surgery. Now, I don't like to sit in small spaces for a long amount of time, so I brought my walking shoes and a backpack, and as as soon as Susie entered surgery, I started walking the city of Richmond. I went out to Belle Isle, I walked the trails along the river, I got some coffee and enjoyed nature, I made a special playlist on my phone so I could listen to some good music in my ears. I watched the water flow through the James River and I spent time praying for my wife and the surgeons. Every couple hours I'd get a phone call from the operating room, Rich, everything's going as scheduled, Susie's doing great. Around six hours into surgery, I knew it would be ending soon, and so I made my way back to the hospital, and I was standing outside, listening to my music, praying, waiting for a call from the surgeon, when right on cue, I got a call from the surgeon. She said, Rich, Susie's all done. She did great. I said, awesome, I hate waiting. She goes, you should hear from post-op in about 30 minutes, and you can go see your wife. I said, wonderful. Well, 30 minutes passed, and I didn't hear anything. 60 minutes passed, and I didn't hear anything. 90 minutes passed, and by this time, I'm just sobbing on the sidewalk outside the hospital. Two hours, and I still hadn't heard anything. Eventually, I called the hospital. They had been calling me all morning, and I said, hey, I'm trying to figure out where my wife is. The woman on the other side of the phone says, sure, uh, what's her name? And gave a birth date and social security number and whatever I needed. And she said, well, it appears she's still in the operating room. And I said, well, that can't be. Uh, I got a call from the surgeon. She's supposed to be in post-op. I was supposed to see her 90 minutes ago. She said, well, hold on, give me a minute. She clicked off and came back and said, no, your wife is still in surgery. At this point, I was panicking. 
Can somebody please call me, I said. Can somebody from the OR call me? 30 seconds later, my phone rang. Rich, this is so-and-so from the operating room. Hey, I can't really talk right now, but Susie's safe. I said, that's not enough information for me. She says, look, I got to help the doctor. Susie's safe. It'll be okay. We'll call you when it's done. And what was supposed to be a six-hour surgery turned into a 16-hour surgery. And I was melting on the sidewalk outside the hospital. Because waiting is agonizing. Waiting is excruciating for me. I wanted more information. I wanted to know what was going on. And at 11 p.m., I finally got the call from the surgeon. She explained everything that had happened, that Susie would be okay. And by midnight, I was by her side when she woke up from her anesthesia. But waiting is a miserable thing for me. Waiting in the unknown, waiting in the silence is just so hard. And I believe that's exactly where Luke wants us to see that the people of God are as he begins his gospel. Matthew starts his gospel with a genealogy linking us to Ab- or linking Jesus to Abraham and to David. Mark starts his gospel with action. Right away, John the Baptist calling people to repentance. John starts his gospel all the way at the beginning of time, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Luke, Luke begins his gospel with a priest named Zechariah, his wife, Elizabeth. And they are a people that have been waiting, and it has been agonizing and excruciating because for decades they were praying, God, give us a child. God, enable us to have a son. They heard nothing. No, Luke tells us that Elizabeth was barren, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were childless. It must have been an awful, awful reality. For them to have been waiting, to have been wondering, will God hear our cry? But Luke wants us to see that that's not just the state of Zechariah and Elizabeth, but the people of Israel too, because God has been silent for 400 years. Malachi was the last prophet to, be, to have been sent by God. Malachi said, One is coming, a prophet like Elijah, who will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Everybody was excited, but for 400 years there was silence. There was waiting. There was nothing. And the people were starting to wonder, has God forgotten us? Does he hear our cry? Is he still there? Does he still care? Will he keep his promises? Luke wants us to be in this season of waiting. He wants us to see that the people are waiting for God. Because I think we're all waiting. We're waiting for a broken relationship in our life to find healing. We're waiting for physical relief from ailments and disease. 
We're waiting for emotional wounds to somehow be healed. We're waiting. We're waiting for Christ's return when he will come again and make all things new, where there will be a time where there won't be any more pain or suffering or crying, but all things will be made whole. We're waiting. And waiting is really hard to do. And so Luke puts us in this season of waiting and the first words The first words that the angel Gabriel says to Zechariah, the first words that God speaks to his people after 400 years, the angel says, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. I bet Zechariah was wondering if his prayers had ever been heard. I bet Elizabeth was wondering, had her prayers even been heard? I bet the people of Israel were wondering, God, have you heard our prayers? And I know that sometimes we too say, God, are you listening? Do you hear me? And so Gabriel's words are as much for Zechariah and Elizabeth and the people of Israel as they are for us. Those words, do not fear. Your prayer has been heard. And as I considered this, as I thought about this this week, I thought, I wonder how we can worship while we're waiting even as Gabriel's words of encouragement can wash over us, even as we hear that we don't need to be afraid that God hears our prayer, there's still waiting. Even when Zechariah comes out of the holy place, Luke says the people are waiting for him to speak. They'll have to wait another nine months for that. Even the people are waiting. What does this mean, that Jesus is coming? Well, they'll still have to wait a little while for that. How do we worship in the midst of our waiting? This Advent season, we're going to be talking about God's people worshiping. Next week, we'll look at Mary's song. Then we'll look at Zachariah's song. Then we'll see the angels sing with the shepherds declaring that Jesus has been born. We'll consider the ways in which we can worship. And this morning, I want to ask us this question. How do we worship in the midst of our waiting? When it feels that God is silent. When we don't hear the answer to our prayers. How do we worship in the waiting? And I think... Zachariah and Elizabeth can teach us a lot. The first thing I think we learn is that we gather, that in the midst of our waiting, we keep gathering. Now, Zechariah was a priest. He, he wasn't a priest that lived in Jerusalem. We'll learn later that he lived in the hill country of Judah. Many priests lived all throughout Israel. There were thousands and thousands of priests. They were divided into 24 teams. Each of these teams would serve two weeks a year at the temple. They would travel from wherever they were living throughout Israel, and they would come together for a week at a time and serve there in the temple. They would lead people in prayer and worship. They would attend to the temple's needs. 
But most of the time, they actually spent butchering animals for sacrifice. It wasn't a very clean job. But here, Zechariah has, has gathered at the temple with the people. And I keep thinking, why, why didn't God send Gabriel in the midst of uh, Zechariah's home? Or, or maybe like Moses, he, he should have encountered uh, Zechariah when he was out in the wilderness alone. But somehow, for some reason, God chooses this time when, when Zechariah is gathered at the temple with the people of Israel to worship. See, I think Luke really wants us to see that there is a gathering. He uses these words throughout the narrative. He says, the multitudes were outside the temple praying. The people were gathered. That we worship in our waiting as we gather together. In other words, it's not good to wait alone Last year, as I stood on the sidewalk outside of VCU, wondering what was happening in the OR with my wife, I texted my small group. I said, she's actually not out of surgery. She's back in. I don't know what's going on. About an hour later, one of my friends walked in the door. And then another friend walked in the door. And I said to them, what are you guys doing? And they said, Rich, it's not good to wait alone. We're going to wait with you. I needed them. I needed them to just be next to me, to cry with me, to pray with me, just to be there with me. Because waiting alone, my brain was spinning and going all sorts of places it didn't need to go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, encourages us to never stop meeting together. I love the way Eugene Peterson writes it in the message. He says, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Luke says that we worship in our waiting by continuing to gather together because it's not good to wait alone. And I just want to say that if you feel like you're waiting in your life right now, if you feel like there's something going on and you're not hearing from God and you're wondering what's going on and you feel the pain of waiting, then I just want to say, I'm so glad that you're here. Stay after. Come up and be with the prayer team find a pastor or a staff member. We want to wait with you. It's not good to wait alone. We worship in our waiting as we gather, but we worship in our waiting as we pray. There's this central object that's taking over this passage as we read these verses. The altar of incense now, I kind of geeked out this week learning more about the altar of incense. Whenever I see something like this in scripture, I, I get out all my textbooks from seminary and I just try to learn as much as I can about the altar of incense, how big it was, what it was made of, what color it was, all these sorts of things. What was the incense they burned made out of? Exodus chapter 30 tells us a lot about the altar of incense. 
But just a quick little lesson. The altar of incense was located in the holy place. Now, not the holy of holies, but the holy place that in the center of the temple, there was sort of a, a large rectangular room. The Holy of Holies was just on one end of it, a, a giant curtain. And inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of Covenant. And the high priest only went in there once a year. But in the holy place, there were three objects. A golden lampstand with a candle that burned. It was to remind the people that God is their light and their life. There was a table with 12 loaves of bread reminding the people that he is their sufficiency. He is all that they need for life. And there was the altar of incense. And twice a day, a priest would come in and, and refill the altar of incense. Now, we often think of incense as, as sticks maybe that burn in one of those weird stores that sells crystals and things like that. But this was sort of more of a, a, a giant table with sort of a bowl in the middle of it. And the priest would walk in with a ladle, a ladle that could hold more than a gallon of liquid. And he would take that ladle filled with incense and, and put it into this depression in the table. And then he would have another ladle that had coals from the altar outside where the sacrifices had been made. And he would drop the coals into this pile of incense and smoke would rise. And this incredible, sweet-smelling perfume would take over. And it wouldn't just fill the holy place, but as the breeze blew, all the people in the courtyard, all those gathered to pray, would smell the sweet scents of incense. And they would see the smoke rising to heaven. And as they did this, they would remember that God hears their prayer. They would be reminded that their prayers, their petitions, their groans, that this was sweet smelling to God. And that like the smoke that drifted heavenward, their prayers were lifted up to God's ears. See, Luke wants us to see that Zechariah is praying, that the people are praying, that this altar of incense is moving this smoke upward, reminding the people to pray because Gabriel's words are true. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And so Luke encourages us we worship as we wait when we gather together. We worship as we wait when we pray together. And lastly, I think we can learn that in our waiting, we remain faithful. When we read in Scripture this description of Elizabeth, Luke says that she was barren, that she was childless. In that culture, barrenness was not seen as a, a biological reality, but a spiritual one. Certainly, the community around Zechariah and Elizabeth would look at Elizabeth and think, what did she do wrong? People would point. People would stare. People would gossip. Zechariah and Elizabeth would feel the shame of the community, but Luke says, that's not it at all. It has nothing to do with, with a spiritual reality. No, Luke wants us to see something else. 
He describes Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he says they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. You know, so often in our waiting, I think we end up making really bad decisions. We go and make really bad choices. When it feels like God isn't showing up, we go figure out how to solve things ourselves. But Luke says, remain faithful like Zechariah and Elizabeth who kept serving the Lord and following his word. Our family likes to pick a sitcom to watch. We sort of scroll through Netflix or Amazon Prime and we find a series that we can enjoy a few episodes every now and again. And right now we're watching a show, I think it's from the 90s, it's called Chuck. It's about a a sort of a computer geek. Now, it's TV, all right? But it's a computer geek that somehow gets a secret CIA computer embedded in his brain. I don't know how it all works, but it's a very entertaining show and it's clean, so we all watch it together. But Chuck is this CIA agent that isn't really a CIA agent. So he has these two CIA agents that take care of him and protect him. And they're always getting into trouble. And they always turn to Chuck and they say, stay in the car. Chuck says, okay, I'll stay in the car. And then they go in and start fighting bad guys. But Chuck, he doesn't like waiting. And he thinks, we'll all go in and help. And he goes in there and he starts doing things. And he just makes everything worse every time. And the episode sort of always ends like, yeah, I guess I should have just waited in the car. It's kind of like a Curious George story. Did it ever drive you nuts reading Curious George stories to your kids? Curious George never listened to the man in the yellow hat. The man in the yellow hat would be like, stay there. And then Curious George would go off and ruin a parade or ruin the circus or do something. And then he always got celebrated for it. I wondered as a parent whether it was a bad book to read. But anyway, (laughs) we don't wait well. When we wait, we end up going and making all sorts of poor choices. We make ourselves get in all sorts of trouble. And Luke says, no, just remain faithful. Just wait and serve and love. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And he says, you've forgotten the most important things. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Luke says that we worship in our waiting as we gather. We worship in our waiting as we pray. We worship in our waiting as we remain faithful to God and to his word. But man, waiting is so hard sometimes. But Gabriel's words are for us, just like they were for Zechariah and Elizabeth and for God's people Gabriel says, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. I thought this week a lot about incense. I ordered some on Amazon because you can get anything on Amazon. I hope it don't set off any smoke detectors. This is just a little stick of frankincense. Imagine a whole pile burning on the altar of incense. But as Christians, we we don't need incense to remind us 
that our prayers go to heaven. You know, Luke is going to tell us something later in his gospel. See, on this side of Christ, we know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And and three days later, he rose from the grave. And 40 days after that, instead of incense that rose to heaven, Christ did. That 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And scripture tells us that he sits at the right hand of the Father And that he is our intercessor. He is our advocate. That he hears our prayers and he says, God, they are praying and we are listening. Thank you for joining us today. At the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are excited to help you get connected to Christ and his community. Have a blessed day.